The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. Bibles to the book of John, the book of John chapter 15. This is the third time in the history of my preaching that I've actually talked about this passage. No one time is exactly like the other time, but it has been a while since, in fact, it's been six years since I spoke on this passage. The last time I spoke before that was 13 years, which is way, way too long to miss something as, as, as fabulous or to go over this. <clears throat> passage. Um, it is the discourse, it's been called the uh, vine and the branches discourse. In the Gospel of John, there are no parables. They're just discourses. The parables are found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but the discourses, the teachings, are found here in John. 92% of the Gospel of John is unique to the Gospel of John. Uh, the other three synoptic gospels share a lot with each other, but very little is shared with the gospel of John. And that's why John takes an approach of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, uh, the deity. It shows his deity and the teaching. Some unique things are in there, as, as I mentioned. Jesus Christ, uh, before we come to the passage of the 15th chapter, what happens? Well, the passage is spoken. This passage is 15th chapter. I'm trying to give you... Let me come with me in your imagination somewhat. <clears throat> what happens prior to the speaking, the teaching of these really eight short verses that he gives them a profound truth about their relationship with him, his relationship with them, and then their relationship with the Father. It's amazing. I told my wife <clears throat> what Jesus says in eight short verses will take 30 minutes to talk about. And we still have not minded out. Oh, my, no. Every time I go into this thing, I see something new, and I think, man, that's a good truth. And so what Jesus does in eight short verses, we just keep going over, and we look at it and go, man, there's more there. There's more there. Praise the Lord for that. They are on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. They have the Last Supper. They're on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane was evidently a place that Jesus had, Jesus had frequented over and over again to pray, to meet with his disciples, to meet with the Father. It was a beautiful place. It's interesting how Jesus went to a place that was beautiful to pray. Isn't that interesting? That's what I do want to do, too. Um, I mean, when I was out west, some of those sights that I saw for the first time out west, I just wanted to stop and pray. I just wanted to say, God, you're great. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. I want to say, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my voice. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. And on and on and on. Some of those things that you see as you walk over. The first time I went to the Grand Canyon, I, I looked at, and 
I, I looked over the edge there and I thought, wow, people die here. Oh, you thought I was going to say something profound, didn't you? I told my wife, I'm Mr. Safety by nickname. And I'll tell you what, when I saw that edge did not have a fence on it, I've had people die at the Grand Canyon. My wife said, of course, as usual, oh, no, people don't die. (laughs) And as usual, we started our little debate about people dying, people not dying. And so... As we were looking at the Grand Canyon, the edge of its majesty, I'd see these little three-year-olds, four-year-olds, not being held by anybody, running over towards, towards the edge, a parent running over towards them to get them. And I said, one, once in a while, one of them makes it. They make it over the edge. And I wouldn't doubt the mother goes right with the kid. No, nobody ever got that. And then our little debate started back up. And, of course, none of you have this in your marriage. So before I left there, I went to the uh, one place where they sell all the books and they try to get all your money to help pay for the uh, people who work there. And so I went in there and says, well, there's got to be. And sure enough, there's a book on how many people a year die at the Grand Canyon. And I can tell you this, according to the book, 13 and a half people die, at least 13 plus people die every year going to the Grand Canyon to look at its majesty because, and most of us from getting their picture taken, back up a little, back up a little. <laughs> That's according to the book. Back up a little. Ah! Oh, I got her just as she was. All I can tell if you're having somebody you'd like to get rid of. I was there. I told you this. I was there. There was some, and it's, and it's these kids, these teenagers, these 20-somethings want to prove they're mm, big, bad, and tough. One kid, remember, Kathy, he's hanging on a tree that is hanging over the Grand Canyon, that is caved over a little bit, and he's hanging on that tree. Take my picture, take my picture. I said, that kid is too dumb to live. But he did live. He did. As far as I know, the tree did not collapse, and he died and got his picture going over, got a selfie that he, that he sent out over the Internet as he was going down. Cheek, 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 cheek. I'm telling you, people, I just study people. It's just crazy. Going back to the Grand Canyon. You go to the Grand Canyon, you look at that thing. We we hired a helicopter. Every I, I highly recommend wherever you go, this big and grandiose, get off your wallet and pay for a helicopter and 500 bucks and a one hour in the air. You couldn't pay the fuel for 500 bucks on that chopper. And you get up in that chopper and, man, I mean... They took us over to Grand Canyon, all in that, right from, oh, I just wanted to sing, oh, Lord, my God, when I had awesome wonder. I just wanted to sing. It ruined the trip, but I wanted to sing. Woo, doggies, doggies. Well, Jesus wanted that. Jesus went to the garden where there were flowers. And I'm sure the fragrance fragrance there was, was, was good, was pleasing, as he smelled the roses. Roses smell good, some of them, some don't. They're on their way there to pray. He knows that this is it. They're going to arrest him. Eventually tonight, he's going to have to, the hour in which he was born, he's going to finally face. I will say, according to what Jesus said, he dreaded it. His flesh dreaded it. I don't think you should overly beat yourself up for dreading 
to do the will of God? Because Jesus knew the will of God was to be crucified, and yet he, you can tell by the passage that he struggled and struggled and struggled. If it be possible, this cup passed from me, but not that I will. I'm glad he finished the sentence. Because I believe he said to the Father, I don't want to do this. He said, okay, we're damning everything. Everything would have evaporated and it started over again. Because God can do that. He told Moses, look, you, you and me, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll eliminate all that. We'll start another nation. It's not hard for God to start another nation, another world. But he loves us. And he wants to save us. And so he's on his way to do this uh, very distasteful thing past what we can understand. He had washed uh, the disciples' feet, commanded them to follow his example of humility and service. And boy, we should be that way with each other. He had just dipped the sop into the cup and given it to Judas to betray him at the hands of men. I, I think he had some compassion. You know, Judas was somebody's little child at one time. He had a mama and daddy. I'm sure he, it hurt the heart of Jesus. I think it hurts the heart of God for one sinner to perish. He had just finished telling his disciples, above all, to love one another. Love each other. Love each other. Love each other. And the word is agape love. Give yourself for each other. He had just finished telling his disciples that. He had comforted their troubled hearts. By describing, in my Father's house are many mansions. Imagine in, in Jesus' mind, he could see it. Think of it. They couldn't see it. But as he's telling, it'd be, like, it'd be like me, as I describe the Grand Canyon. I can see it. I can see it, but I can't verbalize what, it, what it's like. It's too much. It's too big. And Jesus is saying, he's thinking. He lifts up in his mind to the place of heaven. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Oh, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's telling them that. He further encouraged them by telling them they, he and his father were one together. That if they had seen him, like I said this morning, they had seen the father. That's encouraging. He shortly before had told them of the coming blessed Holy Spirit, another comforter. Why? Jesus was a comforter. But there was another comforter coming. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Mark that, mark that John 14, 16. Mark that in your Bible. That he'll give you the comforter forever. Those poor souls that believe you can get saved and get the Holy Spirit and lose him, get him and lose him, that salvation is based on your behavior. Oh, I feel hard. I feel bad for them. Salvation was by grace through faith, brother, not of works lest any man should boast. And if I got it by works, I could lose it by works. But because I got it by faith and I've been born of the Spirit of God, sealed of the Holy Spirit, I have the assurance of that. And now I'm one of his children. My mom and dad would have loved to probably disown me a few times. But they couldn't. I look like them. He had bequeathed upon them peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world giveth give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why would he say something like that if your heart didn't tend to be afraid? Jesus wouldn't say, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, 1, back down here in 27, 
He wouldn't say that twice if we don't have a problem with being afraid. Well, in the economy, you know, you hear of these doom and gloomers. They're all over the web. Don't listen to them. Don't go on there and listen to the doom and gloomers. The whole thing's collapsing. The whole thing's going. The money's going. And all the bad people are going to take over. And we're all going to die. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're all going to die. That part is true. We're all going to die. You're all going to either, either you get old and die or you're young and die. But you're all going to die. That part about the gloom and doom is true. But it's not gloom and doom for a born-again Christian. That's just a door. Listen. I don't need help in being afraid. You don't need to help me. You don't need to help me to worry about, uh, am I going to get killed? Am my truck going to break down? Is this going to happen? Is the economy going to collapse? Is this gonna... I don't need help there. I get that in the night. But Jesus said, what did Jesus do? Let's do what he did. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. Oh, not as a world give I you this peace. No. I'm not going to give it like that. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That means you let it. That means you give it away. You don't let it be afraid. You missionaries, you've got all kinds of fear wants to come on you. I mean, you're going down to a foreign country with another language. People don't necessarily even want you there. And, and you're going down there and you're giving your life for Jesus. What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to be my re- what's going to happen to our retirement? What are they going to do? Where are they going to live on? Don't you worry about that. The father that takes care of those sparrows and those birds and those robins. And by the way, they got it better off than most northerners. At least the robins get to come south in the winter. And poor Yanks can't come down, most of them. If they could, they would. Jesus rises from the Last Supper and leads them to the garden place so often visited to pray. On the way, he teaches them their relationship with him and the Father, what the Father expects from them in their life in chapter 15 where we're at. And the, the analogy or comparison about a husband and the vine and the branches, I want to talk to you just a few minutes tonight about. If you would, take your Bibles and we'll read the passage of the first eight verses. I am the true vine and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me, you may want to circle that in me because the whole thing focuses about being in Christ. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Okay? So circle on that verse, beareth fruit, and then you may want to circle the word more fruit. And now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I could you just stop there and go home. Reading the word of God somehow cleans us. How many have experienced that? Amen. The reading of the Bible does some sort of an emotional, mental, psychological cleansing. What was once you get done reading the Bible, you got ah, and it and and it and it just is sweet. Why do we struggle so when we got the cleansing? I I work all day, get real sweaty, and yes, once in a while I do work, and I work all day and get sweaty, and I feel just sticky and greasy, and I boy, I want I can't wait to get home, get in that old shower, turn that water on. 
and get in there and get that water and soap all up and rinse off and then get out and dry off. And then I just feel good after that. That's the way it is when you're in the Bible, too. Boy, you stop right there. He said, your claims are the word I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch. By the word, the abide there. You want to circle every one of the abides, and you'll have seven of them, I believe. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Three times. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth for in me, and I in him, the same doth what? Bringeth forth much fruit. That's the third one. Circle that if you would. You can put a line between a beareth fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. The three progressive of fruit bearing for without me you can do nothing if a man abide not in me he is cast forth as a branch and withereth and men gather them and cast them into the fire they're burned if ye abide I believe that's the seventh time in me and my words oh oh my not thoughts not my paragraphs my words let me just say this I just read J.I. Packer, and J.I. Packer says, if God inspired the Word of God, He can preserve it. If God's not big enough to preserve after He inspired, and He's not God, He's not the maker of all that is, but the maker of the cell, the maker of the retina, the maker of the human body, the maker of everything that we see, has no problem with get allowing us in, in 2015 to have the words of God. There is a massive movement of higher criticism starting years ago to try to dilute and to confuse the Bible to where you don't know if you got the words or not. It's disputable. It's not disputable. My old preacher back years ago, you say the King James Bible, he held, and that's all they ever held up. That's the word of God. And I hold it up to you. This is the word of God. You can get all that human logic of Westcott and Hort you want, but it's a lie from hell. There is a God, and he's big enough to preserve it in every language, by the way, that it is translated that they have it in. In verse 8, herein is my Father. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, as verse 7, you shall ask, and this answer prayer, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Do you understand what that says? Amen? I got a little bathtacostal in me. You understand what that is? That means you get answered prayer. Do you does God does God does God answer your prayer? Brother, God answers my prayers. I can't think of a prayer he hadn't answered. I'm telling you a serious prayer that I sought his face on and wanted it. He answered it yes, no, or wait. Amen. He answered yes, no, or wait. And I'm still waiting on a few of them. But I know he's going to answer it yes or no. And brother, I want him to shut a door that no man can open sometimes. I'm too stupid to know what to ask for. Sometimes I'm asking for something's going to hurt me. He says, no, son. Uh, I ask for no, son. He asks me again, no, son. I keep seeking him, no, son. Eventually I say, okay, I'm not supposed to have that. But how do you get answered prayer? You got to abide in him. You got to abide in him. It's not coming once in a while saying, hey, God, I'm here on Sunday. One, where are we going in Christianity? We're going to one hour a weekers. One hour a week to come to church. They say hi to God, register in, check in with the preacher, and the rest of the week they live for themselves. That's not going to cut it with God. 
He wants seven days a week, 24 hours a day. He wants you to think about him in the night seasons. He wants you to think about him when you rise up in the morning. He wants you to think about him at noonday. Yeah. that's where. You, and then when you need something, you answer. Oh, he's there to answer you. He's going to answer your prayer. He's going to help you. And then it says the whole thing sums up, herein is my Father glorified. In other words, the seven verses before that. Herein is my Father glorified that ye what? Bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So you abide, you bear fruit, he purges. You abide, you bear more fruit, he purges. You abide, you bear much fruit, and the process just keeps going. As you get older and as you mature in the Lord, God just brings other. He continues to prune you. I live by 3,200 and some odd acres of oranges on one side. And I think 3,200 acres on the other side of me. And once in a while, I hear machines for days come by. And they say, ooh, there are these big machines that go. And they go up up down these uh, uh, rows of trees. And they cut these branches wholesale and it, by the way, it makes it look beautiful, like a hedge. It hedges them, and they even cut the top of them, and they, they square these trees. They look like boxes going for as far as the eye can see. And I say, what a waste. No. Let's do it this way. Let's see if I got the math right on this. Let's see if I can find my math. Oh, here it is. You got one branch. It bears fruit. You purge it. Four branches come out. Not, 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 not unusual. Four branches bear fruit, you purge them. Sixteen branches come out of those. Out of sixteen, sixty-four, sixty-four, two fifty-six, two fifty-six, a thousand twenty-four, thousand twenty-four, four thousand ninety-six. Start keep carrying. That's what you're talking about, local church down there. It's about, but God will bring a setback. A purge is is cutting sometimes the old wood. The old wood. Now, you don't want to cut too much old wood because the new wood's supported by the old wood. There's farmer sitting here, farmer sitting here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't cut too deep into the old wood. But you want to cut back into it a little bit so it'll, it'll multiply. It'll multiply. The troubles that have come into your life, the purgings that have come surely into most of your lives is nothing more than God wants to bear more fruit and get more glory out of your life. Girls, the crab girls. God wants to do that with you. You go to school, he may purge you at school some. Who knows? You may get a C. Just, just thinking, you know. Well, let's look at verse 1 there. I'm the true vine. A little exposition on this. Number one, husbandman expects to get a benefit from his investment. So God, the husbandman, right, we got that. You, get, you know who's who here. The husbandman is the father. The vine is Jesus Christ. The branches are the born-again Christians. And the fruit is the multiplication of born-again Christians through you. Ultimately, it's God wanting to multiply himself through you. And he's multiplied by people being saved. And that gives credit to his son who gave himself for us. Of course, you growing in his likeness is all good because that's all necessary in the process of it all. But a husbandman expects something and a benefit. God uh, gave him his only begotten son for you, so he expects something from it. 
God the Father sent his son to earth to invest his life for you. He purchased you and me. It says that I said it this morning, 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our spirit, our body, our God's. He owns us. He's invested in us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23 repeats it, and it says, Ye are bought with a price, be not servants of men. Don't, don't be, you know you're going to serve somebody. You say, I don't serve anybody. Are you kidding me? You do. Everybody serves somebody. You're either going to serve God, you're going to serve man. Serve God. Now, when you serve God, you can serve man, but you're serving God is number one. That's what Matthew 6, 33 is about. Seek ye first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things be added unto you. But make God number one in everything. Our brother over here may be a medical doctor, but Jesus is first. Our brother over here may be a uh, veterinarian, but Jesus is first. I'll tell you, when he goes to heaven, I don't think you're going to talk too much about being a veterinarian. I don't think you're going to talk too much about being an MD. I think it's going to be about being a bus captain and soul winner. You owe God something. That's what that is. You owe God something. And by the way, he says, I'm the true vine. Why would he say that if there weren't false vines? It implies that there's a lot of faults out there. And it's our job to make sure that we know the truth. And then the truths will set you free. When I, be, when I became a, 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 got right with God 18 years old, and, and I wanted to do the Lord's will, there, there was a Jesus people. They were saying one thing. The Pentecost movement was just starting up. They were saying this. They were saying that. And I said, oh, Lord, what's the Bible say? I didn't know the Bible very well. But I said, it's my job to figure out what's right and wrong. I got the Bible. I started reading the Bible. I started seeking help. I started looking to make sure I didn't get deceived. Did you know did you know God's allowed false teachers to come by me and try to convince me of their false teaching all through the years? I've had Mormons try to convince me they're right. I've had Jehovah's Witnesses try to convince me they're right. I've had Pentecostal folks try to convince me they're right. I've had all kinds of wild and crazy folks come by. I had a guy, the latest one was, I was um, passing tracks out, uh, let's see, over in uh, San Carlos, and a guy came and said, God, told, God talked to me about you last night. I didn't know this guy from Adam. He said, God told me to tell you. I said, he don't have to do that. He just come directly to me. I, I was in the throne this morning, of the a throne room of God this morning, and talking to him. If he wanted me to know that, he could just come to me. I'm the true vine. It implies there's some bad boys out there. Be careful. It's a minefield. Look at verse 2. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purged it and bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word. The process, I just explained it to you. Then verse 4, uh, abide, you see there, abide in me. So you, you see the mechanism. Jesus is basically walking to the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and he's telling there's a mechanism in play here that uh, I, you are going to experience in your life. And my father is a husbandman. You know, I'm the vine. You're the branches. You're, it's, it's my father, me, and you. And we got a, we got a pack here. You know, uh, you're basically bought with a price. You're not your own. And, and I, my father wants you to produce, reproduce. By the way, my wife said one time, we're, we go out on our little, we go out on our little porch, you know, and we kind of, uh, in the early morning, we, I put a lot of corn out there, cracked corn, because Tom Gillespie said cracked corn is better for the birds than whole corn. So I went and put cracked corn out there. And I put cracked corn in these birds. I get hundreds of birds. All kinds of birds coming. I'm looking for that. 
articulated white-beaked bird. I, the other day I had, to, I had one out there, and I'm looking for this rare bird. I'm going to find him before it's all over. And we noticed something they're doing. They're chasing each other. Oh, I watch this. The rabbits are chasing each other. Squirrels chasing each other. Birds chasing each other. I said, Kathy, everything is mating. Everything at my house is reproducing, except us. I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel left out on the whole thing. I said, Kathy, everything out here is reproducing, except for Kathy and now and Tyler. And I'm working on him. But I'll tell you what, I mean, everything is reproducing. Is it not true that everything around, my plants are reproducing, my flowers are reproducing, my trees are reproducing, my grass is reproducing, the, all the birds and all the, the little bugs are reproducing? I'll guarantee you the mosquitoes are reproducing. <clears throat> Why? There is my Father glorified. He basically is walking along telling this is the way you glorify my father is you go to the world, preach the gospel of every creature. I'm with you. I'll give you the power. I am the one who, ding, life. Ding, life. You know, when the two touch. Ding, life. I'm the one that does that. Uh, I'll give life when I want to give it, but you keep giving the word out there. You keep putting the word out there. You keep putting the word, which is life, and once in a while I'll go, bing, and I'll have life, and bing, and I'll have life. It's my job. I'll give the life. You keep putting the seed out. Therein is my Father glorified. Now, you're not going to do that if you don't abide in me. You're not going to do it. We have to have a relationship. We have to have a relationship. Let me read you some verses here about that relationship. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 says, He that keepeth his commandments and dwelleth in him, and he in him, he hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit with he, which he hath given us. In other words, there's abiding in him and him abiding in me. The Spirit of God is testifying to that whole relationship, and that is the relationship that's going to produce fruit. By the way, the fruit will remain because God said so. Boy, if it's up to me, I'm in trouble. Amen. If the fruit is up to me, I'm in, we're in trouble. If it's just up to me. But it's a two-way street. The uh, sap, if I understand the phloem and xylem right, that there's certain sap from the roots goes up and certain photosynthesis juice from the leaves goes down. Is that right? called photosynthesis, right? I mean, there's polo xylem. It goes up and down, up and down. Think about it. He comes to me with the Holy Spirit, and then I do His will, and it goes down. God needs me like I need Him. Is that so? That we need each other? It's a symbiotic relationship between God the Father and me? That we need each other? I give Him pleasure, and then He helps me. I give Him energy. He helps me. We're back and forth in life. Is that not the way? Isn't that the way? Do I understand sap right? Sap's not a one-way one thing. It goes two ways. 
God and I work together in this relationship. Wow. And then we bear fruit. I don't start out bearing, bearing much fruit. I start out bearing fruit. Then more fruit. Then by the grace of God, much fruit. Hallelujah. When we suffer under the pruning, and we respond by humility and acceptance of our circumstances from God, we let the trouble and the pain drive us closer in prayer, deeper in fervency. We deeply drink of the sweet balm of the Spirit as of rivers of living water. More fruit. More fruit. More fruit. I think of William Carey over seven years. Adoniram Judson, no converts. No converts. No converts. Today, a mission society would say, something, you're not doing something right. But who would dare condemn Adoniram Judson or William Carey today after it's all over? You know what Adoniram Judson and William Carey did? They believed in this passage right here, these little eight verses. They said, we don't know why we're not getting fruit. Boy, Adoniram Judson was getting beat. He was getting put in two years in prison. His wife eventually got sick and died. His kids were buried on the field. Nothing worse. How much can you get pruned? It's been said over 160,000 people were saved directly from Adoniram Judson. That's how much. Brother, the, out of his pruning came hundreds and yea, thousands and thousands of limbs and fruit was produced on that, but it took the death of his wife. It wasn't just an easy death. Suffering long, hard. Mm. You won't find anybody bears a whole lot of fruit without some suffering. You, a lot of young preachers will say, I want to be like C.H. Spurgeon. Do you? Read the book. Read the book written by uh, Richard Day about C.H. Spurgeon. Read it. After you read that book, you go, oh. First of all, he died at 57, 58 years old. He had chronic gout. He had pneumonia so bad. Two years took him out of the pulpit with a crowd of 5,000 people showing up. It would be pretty hard to stay at the house. Amen. He must have been pretty sick. He had migraines without medicine, gout without medicine. Eventually, I believe the gout probably just killed him outright. He died a miserably painful, horrible death. I have some experience in that. And that was God's prince of preachers. Why was he doing that? Because he wanted to produce much and God knows best. And boy, as you read down the responses of C.H. Spurgeon, the older he got, the sweeter relationship between Jesus and him got. They had little pet names for God he started using. Little sweet pet names. And here the man was under such... And on and on it goes. Just name somebody who God's produced fruit or much fruit through. It has to come through some pruning. And it will come through you too. But there is a great, great ingathering coming. And by the grace of God, I want to be there. Look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch, a warning in the midst of all this, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. Right in the middle of the sweetness of the relationship, Jesus casts a real serious warning. 
Oh, he says, if you reject this process, the Father rejects you. And you're withered and cast forth. That doesn't mean you're lost. That doesn't mean you're lost. Because in Matthew chapter 25, verse 29 and 30, in a parable unprofitable servant, he says, For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast and, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me say this. People say, well, I'll be just glad to be in heaven. Will you? Will you? I think when you have people that have rejected the process and fought God on this, when they stand before Jesus Christ at the Bema seat, and their whole works piled ahead of them, and they already know what's coming, and that thing's burned up, and there's like nothing left. The Bible says they're as saved as by fire, just by the absolute grace of God. They're saved with no reward, and somehow or another, uh, their place is way out there. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You say you're going to cry in heaven? The tears aren't wiped away till later. Oh, God's going to let there be some serious tears. because You know, it wouldn't be right if a Christian got saved and then just ignore God and, and go to heaven and reap the same reward of people who love Jesus and obeyed Him. Because how do I show that Jesus Christ that I love Him? How do I abide in, in God is to obey Him. My wife loves me. How do I know it? Let me tell you how I know it. I'm talking where the rubber meets the road, girls. You can never come back. It's okay with me. But I'm going to tell you the truth right now. She obeys me. And it ain't always fun. It ain't always sweet. It ain't always what she wants to hear. It isn't always where, when, how that she wants. It's according to my judgment, but she has placed herself under my authority, and I can tell you, I've told that woman to go some places that growing men would get in a fetal position and cry. How do I know? Because I saw it. <clears throat> One time we were lobstering, and we were in a real deep, dark, spooky place behind new grounds, north of new grounds. And I hadn't dove there much, and I, my eardrum was broken. I couldn't dive, and, and I said, Kathy, you're going to have to dive for me. For me. You are Bill Lytell. You catch lobster. And we loaded her up with all of her equipment. The current so fast, she about got a hold of the rope. And, I mean, it was spooky. Shark, it, ish and I remember her getting all her stuff on jumping in there and going down I thought there are men there are so few men that would jump in the water and do that on my word you wouldn't even believe how few people you're probably the only but that woman really loves me and Kathy's here and I talked to her there's hundreds of those times I always said this, I'll tell you this much. If I said, let's, let's, we're going to march into the gates of hell, she'll say, let's go, baby, I'm with you. Oh, she loves me. And that's the way we're to love God. He says, do it. Yes, sir. 
He says, go. Yes, sir. He said, teach the Sunday school class. Yes, sir. Do a bus ministry. Yes, sir. He said, go out door to door. Yes, sir. I want you to read your Bible. Yes, sir. Why? I love you. I love you. I love you. Not because I have to. Miss the whole point. Because I love you. That's what he's saying. Herein is my father glorified. Oh, I got to end with this. Ooh, we doggies. The reward of folks who love God. I have not seen, ears not heard, news entered in the heart of man what God's really prepared for them that love him. But because Kathy obeyed me in them early years when I was not so easy to be around as I am now, I have become her servant. It's turned. Now I'm serving her. Now I can't wait to do something that makes her happy. She says, I want that wallpaper down. I said, no baby. No baby. Wallpaper is never meant to take down. It's only meant to go up. She said, I don't like the color. I said, we'll, 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 we'll mask and paint to it. It's good. It's beautiful. But I want to put gray in here. Oh, you don't want gray? You, you want something that will go with that? She said, no, I don't. I want that wallpaper down. Go for five hours with a steamer and a whole array of magical equipment. I took that wallpaper down. I'm her servant. I said, I'm your maintenance man, baby. I'll do what you want to do. I'll go where you want to go. Because you love me. And you serve me. And you've helped me. And we're, we're together. And you know, I've seen these old honorary young guys like here. I've seen them honorary at this age. But the girl, by the grace of God, will trust him and, and love him and serve him. And I'm going to tell you, later on down the road, they turn into, they turn into decent husbands. <laughs> they do. They'll turn into a decent husband before it's over. Trouble is, the ladies, you quit too soon. Not always. I'm not telling about everyone, but it. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from above. May Lord Jesus, we abide. And my whole life's wish is that somehow that my life could be woven in with yours. Abide in you. And you abide in me. And when the two of us bear fruit, bear much fruit, and that fruit may remain, because you're God. Father, burst them even to people maybe tonight that know not Christ as their Savior. But they've come for something more. They know there's something got to be bigger, better in life, and there is, Jesus Christ. God has pulled them here, drawn them here, now Father, save them. Father, there could be some here to Christians that have been on the edge of dedicated. They're not dedicated. They're, they're fighting the system. You're, listen, listen, you can't beat the system. If you go on your own, you are going to wither and die. And God will see to it. Or you can have God as your friend, as your soulmate. 
Father, help us. In Jesus' name. Inside.